Hello and welcome to the pep talk. You're here back with your two favorite bald frauds, Sam and Jason, talking everything Manchester City this week, and there is a lot to talk about. How's the land down under, Jason? Yeah, good, man. Good. Uh, I'm back on my feet, at least. Still still a little bit under the weather, and you, you might hear it in my voice, but um, yeah, like I said, back on my feet. Too much to discuss on, on Man City, though. Like, the amount of news coming in on the, in the last 24 hours alone is crazy. Um, usually tends to happen when I'm sleeping, which is good. <laughs> and then if you wake up in the middle of the night, you see like, you know, your WhatsApp or your or your or your your, your notifications going off. You're just like, oh god, <laughs> what what happened? So we'll try unfold all of that um, and how it all fits into the team. I think there's a lot to to unwrap. I'd say. <clears throat> yeah, it was weird because I woke up this morning. We're taping on. Wednesday night American time, Thursday morning Australian time, or Mm -hmm. late Wednesday English time, right? So when I woke up this morning, it's weird because normally I wake up to some sort of news, right? And so, okay, first let me cut off. If you heard that squeaking in the background, that's my dog squeaking his toy. Um, But back to where we were. So I woke up. And normally there is some sort of news like my WhatsApp's going off with you or whoever's and I'm in group chats with or something is happening. This morning I woke up and nothing was happening. And then everything happened within the first two hours. I was awake from like (laughs) from like seven to nine a.m. It's like one second like Mateus Nunes is done and. You know, this guy from France is reporting it. And then three more people report it instantly. And then almost simultaneously, Cole Palmer is going to Chelsea for they rejected a bid for a bid for thirty five million. Then they uh, then Chelsea goes back like an hour later with a bid for forty five million. And boom, we get Fabrizio Romano. Here we goes left and right. And. (laughs) I'm just like, what is going on? And now, like, I'm sort of shell-shocked because the rest of the day it's been essentially nothing. Um, but it's yeah, it just it's, it's, it's just a weird whirlwind of, like, two hours. Yeah, it's crazy. And it, 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 look, we're not even on the deadline day, so deadline day will get even more crazy. Um, you know, like, as we're recording this, you can see Ansu Fatty's going to Brighton, like, out of all clubs. Like, this is crazy. The trans, transfer tra- transfer window towards the end gets just a bit nuts sometimes. And and the way Chelsea move is absolutely crazy. It's like, oh, we rejected the 35 million. They come back an hour later and just bid 45 million. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll meet your valuation. We're not going to mess around. <laughs> I don't know what they're smoking over there, but they're smoking something good. <laughs> they just keep spending money. Um, you know, but if yeah, you listen I'm, to... Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, if you listen to like Stefan, um, you know Stefan Borson, you, you you know what Chelsea are trying to do. They're just they're just gonna spend, 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 and then they'll um they'll probably fail FFP and do whatever they need to do to in the next couple of years. But they'll have their team set. They won't need any more players for the next two years. Yeah, it was. It's just Chelsea is a weird one, but at least like they. You know they paid pretty good price, and we'll jump into this a little later. But yeah, yeah. Um, it was yeah, it's it's been an it's been an odd day. I I will tell you that when I woke up today, I would not have expected this. That's yep. for sure. Um, so let's start with the game we had over the weekend because there's a lot. There's actually a lot of narrative and a lot to talk about in this game. 
and Sheffield United. It seems like from what I've read and like from what I've seen, is City fans seem pretty divided on how this game went. So let's start with the first half. Sheffield United. Uh, it's zero, it's nil nil at halftime. Holland misses a penalty. What did you think of the first half? Like, did you think it was a good first half? Did you think it was a poor first half? It seemed like everyone was sort of there were opinions across the board. What do you think? Um, during the game, I felt like it was poor. But then on reflection, I thought it was average, not poor. Um, and I did that based on, you know, like the first 15 minutes weren't great. But then we, we picked up the tempo a little bit. We got a bit more involved. We had a few chances. You know, I think Alvarez had that first chance in the first half where he basically missed a sitter um, where, where the keeper did a really good save. Um, and then Harlan misses a penalty, which is, you know, it's an anomaly but it, it, within itself, right, for him to miss a penalty. I think he's got a strike rate of like 92 or 93%. So, like, for him to miss, it's very, very, very rare. Um, so, like, a few things just went wrong. But overall, we didn't really give... Sheffield United a sniff and something to always remember when we go away from home we play very differently we play a little bit more conservatively a bit more in a way more controlling so the crowd doesn't get involved um, because you can you know we'll talk about the second half in a bit but you can see as soon as a crowd gets involved and, and the other team gets a bit of momentum it goes a little bit crazy right so for us to go through the first half you know we could have easily been up two or three nil in that first half right it's just one of those games where you miss a penalty, you miss a few easy chances, the, the players start getting frustrated, us as fans start getting frustrated because it's like we're playing Sheffield United, we should be slapping them 5-0 and it's kind of like a, like a you know, <laughs> self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like I'm getting angry because I, I expect my team to win but in reality when you take a step back, the, the overall performance wasn't that bad. Like I think, I think Sheffield United didn't have a shot to the 70th minute. Like, not even yeah. a shot on target. I'm talking about an actual shot. So, we kind of shut them down um, completely. And at the end of the day, it is an away game. And Sheffield United at home is going to be one of those tough stadiums for, for, for teams to go to. So, overall, I'm okay with the first half. You know, another day, we're like I said, we're up 2-0. So, I'm not not too, too fast how it went. It's, you know, I know, I know there was a lot of dividing opinions about how much we, we created, but... It's one of those things where it's going to be, we're going to have a bit of those issues this season because um, when Foden's not on the field, we do lack creativity. There's no, there's no, there's no spark in the midfield to, to create something. And that's, you know, Foden unfortunately got sick with, with gastro and Kevin De Bruyne is out for five months. So your, our creativity is automatically a little bit lower, but overall, I still think we created enough chances to be, to be up in the game in that first half. So I'm glad you brought up the whole like creativity thing because that's what kind of bothered me in the first half is like obviously it is better when City have Phil Foden and Kevin De Bruyne on the field. It is. Yeah. But to say that City lack creativity when they are not on the field, I just I don't think is accurate personally. Like and I'll so I'll give you some stats before I actually talk about the game uh, yep. in the first half. I'll give you some stats. Do you know what the XG was at halftime? About one point, one and a half, one point six. It was one point eight seven to zero point zero zero. Now, <laughs> to be fair, that, only- that involves that that includes a penalty, right? Which a penalty is about zero point seven five to zero point eight, right? So you, 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. So even before the penalty, so the penalty was at the 35th minute. We were at 0.95 XG before the penalty. So in the first 34 minutes of the match, we still got one XG. Yeah. And, that, and that's, I with, think, without mostly, the penalty. Yeah. And I think that's probably mostly um, uh, the Alvarez sitter. The Alvarez ch- chance in the first, I think it was a 25th that minute was, or something like that. That so was that, about 0.55 XG. Okay. Yeah, so like that so, he should be scoring, right? But it's one of those things. But we still had good. some other decent. My point is like we created enough. Like we had a penalty. We had the Alvarez sitter. And this is a team like they sat 11 behind the ball. Like they they said, We're, you're going to get very limited chances. Like if you're playing Sheffield United at home and they decide to play like that, you have to take your chance. You have to at least take some of them. Okay. Yeah. And for us to have almost two XG in the first half without Foden and without Kevin De Bruyne against a team sitting that far back, that's pretty good to me. Like that, that's that. I think that's very good, actually. And considering yeah. they didn't even get a sniff of our goal, not even a sniff. Like Ederson, yeah, this- Ederson was back there sleeping. <laughs> okay. So and and not just that. Then also. Like the the you're right, the intensity picked up after about fifteen minutes, like ten, fifteen yeah. minutes. And it, it we were we were much better there. But I, I, that's, I feel that's pretty I, good. Yeah, I feel I feel, like I said, I feel like the strategy for us when we could play away and it's the same it's a it's a bit of a same trend from last season. When we go away from home, we play a lot more conservative. We don't play the way we play at the Etihad. When we go to the Etihad, we're gonna blast it four, five, six nil. Um, because we've got the crowd behind us, we know we've got, we're going to get the momentum. We know the other team's going to sit back more and be a bit more scared. But from the same trends continued from last season, when we go away from home, we're happy to take a one nil. We're happy to take a two one. We're happy to take a two nil, and we'll just control the ball for you know most of the game. And then that, that's and I'm fine with that because I think when you go away from home, that's that's where you're more likely to drop points. Um, and, and yeah, look, it, it's. Overall, it was fun, and I think, and when we get to the second half, like we should talk about now, we played so much better in the second half. Anyway, I think we created double yeah. the chances, right? If you not include not including the penalty, we we basically created double. So we came out with a bit more. You know, you could see as soon as we came on the second half, they were looking to score. They wanted to score in that first ten minutes of the second half because they knew, right? Like you're playing Sheffield United away, get the goal, and you know things will sort itself out. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how I felt at the end of the first half is I thought, look, we haven't broken through yet, but we will. And like it, I think it was only a matter of time personally. But then, yeah, like you said, the second half, like just to get – and I don't know when this happened. I think it happened in the second half when um, when Kovacic slipped Holland through and Holland chipped the keeper and chip, the keeper made a great save with his glove. Um, I think yeah, it was yeah. the beginning that was, of the second half. Like that it was, was a, second half. It was second half. That was a remember. beautiful chance. I think it was probably uh, at 60, 60 minutes. So to 60 from, minute. so from forty five minutes to sixty minutes at from forty five minutes to sixty minutes, we created one other XG before yeah. the Holland goal. Okay, yeah, and and that's then, mostly and that's mostly Holland's chip, right? So Holland's chip got a, a fair bit of that. That he should have scored there. Like, that's that's a goal that Holland usually scores. Um, you know, so like yeah, for me, so- it just picked up naturally, right? You know, the team, the team obviously know they need a score, so they'll, they'll they'll naturally pick it up. Yeah, and I think honestly, like okay, 
Foden gets subbed on in what, like the 80th minute, 84th minute. It was after they scored. Okay. By that point, City had created 3.45 XG. Like to me, that doesn't say that City have a creativity problem. That says that City weren't finishing their chances. Like that. Yeah, that's, I agree. And like I said, like, on, on I another- think. On another yeah. day, you've got four goals. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the that's the other thing is like on just about any other day, this thing is two nil at halftime, goes to three or four nil, and we're not talking about this. And yeah, so, even Holland Hull- had like three, four chances. So he had the penalty, he had the the chip, he had the one where he side footed it and he went side of the uh, of the, right, right outside the goal. Yeah, yeah. We had Rodri who had a few good chances before his goal. There were so many chances, yeah. it, it, and Alvarez, Sitter, it, it, it was very, very reminiscent for me of Nottingham Forest away. And the funny yes. thing is, when we conceded the 84th minute, it was actually the same time we conceded at Nottingham. I'm like, bloody hell, like, can this game get any more similar to that one? Yeah, and <laughs> the, the, the weird thing was that I noticed in the second half, okay, so, and I know people, it seemed to like, I don't know, reinforce people's beliefs that city were lacking creativity because Foden was so good when he came on. But I don't think that reinforces anything. Like all that reinforces is that Phil Foden's really good. Like which we already knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that City's going to press even harder to score when it's the 85th minute and you need to score a goal. And so I don't know. Like to me, obviously Foden's really good. He, like he's gonna come on and he's going to be really good because that's what Phil Foden does. I don't think that's evidence that City lacked creativity before Foden. Yeah, I just think look, that it's Foden like being Foden. F- Foden's in for a superstar year in terms of midfield. So I yes, uh, you, know, you know, as long as he's fit, right? Unfortunately, he wasn't fully one hundred percent fit for the game, so that's why he didn't play. But if he's fit, he's gonna be firing and. You know, you've seen the Newcastle performance that he put on. That was world-class performance. So, that's what we're going to expect from Ferdinand this year. And that's what he needs to, to perform at, the level they need to perform at, to fill in for Kevin De Bruyne. He's different to Kevin De Bruyne, like, of course. Um, very, very different type but, of player. But he's but they going also to fill, fill the that same void. type of role. Yeah, yeah he's going fi- to fill that void. He's going to fill that void that, that Kevin De Bruyne has left behind. Yeah, he, um, he's going to fill the same type of role as, like, the guy who is more of the battering ram in midfield, right? Like the creative, like we said, like superstar midfielder, because you have to have a balance, right? Like you can't have two of those guys. It doesn't work as well. Like that's why Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden rarely play together in midfield because it doesn't work as well. So like having one of them with Gundogan or one of them with Bernardo or one of them with Kovacic works better because Mm -hmm. you kind of need them to do them. And then you need the other one to kind of dictate play, be a little more disciplined, like stuff like that. And just so you can let their creativity shine. Right? Yeah, and I agree. That's that's what we expect from Foden really this entire year. Like that's that's what we're gonna see from him. I'm looking yeah, forward to it's this. It's so this exciting. Season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this season with Foden. What what is what is the potential for him to produce is 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 gonna be it's gonna be good. Were you disappointed that Doku didn't get on? No, because... No? <laughs> he, I mean, he like, wasn't because, ready. He wasn't ready, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to... Like, the first game you want to bring him on is this. You don't want to do that <laughs> to him. So, 
I think if it was like three nil or four nil, then yeah, bring him on. He bring him on. Yeah, you don't bring him on in this. You don't do that. That's like that's it's kind of cruel to the guy. Quite honestly, yeah, yeah um, I agree. So, in terms of like, I know you said it reminded you of the Forest game last year, and it did to me too. Did was this then a big win because we won this one? We didn't win Forest. Is do you see this as like a a big win or just like un, just kind of another win? Look, it, it for me we're so early in the season, right? Where and and if you look at past years, right? So you can't really compare it to a big win because we don't know the stakes yet. But in terms of getting points, so like to me, Sheffield United is a prime candidate for getting relegated, right? It's like for me, if I, if I give you yeah. a prediction of who's getting relegated, it's Sheffield United. Luton Town, and then one of Everton, Wolves, you know, about five other teams. But for me, Luton Town and Sheffield United are guaranteed to go down. Like, this, they just don't have the quality in their teams to compete in the Premier League this season. So, for me, we need to pick up six points against both of these teams when we do play them. In that context, it is big because you don't want to drop points to a team like that because it, naturally when you play a different team, it's going to be harder to pick up points, especially away from home. So, for us to go away early in the season, pick up three points at Sheffield United away is always good. Um, it's, it's In that sense, it's a, big, it's, a big, it's a big game. And it's already putting pressure on the other teams where City have been perfect and no one else has been perfect. So, we're the only team on nine points. Everyone else is seven or below, right? So, there is pressure already building on the other teams. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that we could win our next six games. Right, so in total six games, we should be on about eighteen points before we go to the Emirates away. Right, we've never started a season winning our first three games in in the Pep era. I think only in his yes, first we did. Season. In his first, first season, season, we won the first five. Yeah, the first season, I think we won the first five or the first six. Right, so that's the only time, and it's funny enough that's the, the one of the two years that we didn't win the league. So there's nothing really to take home from performances this early in the season. It's more about just pick up the points, you know, get get some minutes in your legs and get the results. But what's what I like that I'm seeing now is there is no there's no massive tactical change that Pep's tinkering with in terms of personnel and, and positioning. You know, there's some slight movements with like Gavardio going left back, um, Kovacic in midfield. Um, Walker playing a little bit further up. There's some slight adjustments, but the overall structure of the team and how we play is still very similar to what we did last season. So there's no there's no adjustment period in terms of trying to get early points. Last season we suffered a little bit because there was a bit of an adjustment um, to how you know playing with Haaland, etc. But this season we can afford to start fast, and I think what I'd hope what I, what I'm what I'm hoping is we win all our games up until Arsenal away and we've already put a four to five point cushion on them and then we beat them away and then basically see, <laughs> you basically start wrapping up the title nice and early. Um, I think that's where I want us, that's the path we want to go down, but it's so early in the season. You can't really write anything about, you know, the table essentially because the table is meaningless at this point of the season. You know, we've seen it before. We've been five, six, six seven points behind the leaders at this point in, in past seasons and we've come back to win the league. Um, and similarly, when we've built a big lead early in the season, we've had Liverpool come back from, you know, eight, nine points and, you know, make it a one point, one point season. So, very, very early. 
it's really you can't really take much of much away from it see i disagree uh, i think that for a couple reasons this is a pretty big win um first reason is because these are the types of games that you need to win to win a title like there's always those games where you just need to get over the hump you want to really minimize the amount of games where you should have won but you didn't win like you don't want any of those and we always have what two three of those every year we're like damn we battered that team we should have we shouldn't have dropped points you want to minimize that as much as possible like because there's always going to be a couple games every year where you probably won that you shouldn't have won right so yeah and that's pretty rare for city like compared to other, but there's still one or one or two a year where you're like damn city if if that was a draw that probably would have been a more fair result like that that happens a couple times a year so what you really don't want is for you to drop points when you shouldn't have dropped points and that's how this was and that's how titles are won so there's there's that but then i would also say like like you said sheffield united is maybe going to get relegated but they're almost definitely going to be in the bottom 10 of the league right and so what you want to do if you want to win a title is you need to drop as little points as possible against the bottom 10. if you win every game say you win every game against the bottom 10 teams that's 60 points yeah 60 points just for beating the bottom 10 teams twice each so you really don't want to drop that many points especially when you battered them like we did right like so i think for that reason it was big and also just to lay down city's marker that we're the best team in the league still and that you're gonna have to come take it for like like you said you start off strong start off how we ended last year so that you tell the rest of the league who doesn't like there's no team that has in my opinion come close to as good as cities played and you show them no you guys are still not on our level and we're gonna batter all of these teams you're gonna have to come catch up to us and that's why i think this was a big win is for for all of those reasons really is i think was it was just it's beautiful and city's performances in the first three matches have been incredible like we basically shut newcastle down after newcastle looked incredible against villa in the first week um beat burnley pretty good and burnley put up a decent fight too but still beat them fairly you know three nil and then this one where we battered them should have been a more flattering scoreline to city and and wasn't yeah look from from, you know it's two perspectives for me it's just so early in the season um you know if you look at past seasons you know probably in the first five six games we usually drop about five points on average i reckon we always have like that one loss but we generally play a big team early in the season as well this season we, we don't have any we don't have any of the big teams well besides newcastle um we don't have any of the big teams like the, the traditional big six until arsenal away essentially um which is game week seven or game week eight which is crazy that's gonna be a massive game for us um to lay that's where i think where we lay down the marker you know if we go into that so. game if we go into that game undefeated then that's where i believe we can actually 
basically put a stop to the season already. And everyone, yeah, and that's that's, and you and you have the articles coming out. Who can compete? <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the other thing is like you the the best way to win the season early is to crush everyone's hopes, right? So yeah. like if City just rattle off eight in a row in the beginning, like it's I know these are professional players, but like it's. You'd be lying if you said it wouldn't play into their mind like, oh, shit, we don't even have a chance. Like, or like, oh, City's just going to keep doing this. Like, what's, you know, we're already like eight points behind the leader. What, What's the point? Kind yeah, of. exactly. It, it just it, it just put a damp on everyone's season. But like I said, it's yeah. still very, we're still very, very early. Long, long, long way to go. Um, from, a, from, a, from a competitive perspective, for you, is it Arsenal right now or do you think Liverpool? For me, that's the only two teams that I think that I can compete with us this season. I don't think I don't think Newcastle are serious. I don't think Chelsea are serious this season. It's too early for them, um, and I don't think Tottenham are serious because they've just got too much transition happening. So in reality, it's definitely, definitely only Liverpool or Arsenal for me. I don't think Man United either. Uh, like they, they look, think- ter- they look terrible in their first three games. So uh, they're definitely so, not competing with us this season. In terms of Challenging City, I would probably say, yeah, pro- I, if there's anybody to challenge City, I'd say Arsenal and Liverpool. I don't think either of them have looked particularly good um, in the first three games so far, but those are probably the two better ones. And I think I just saw that Liverpool seem to be closing in on Ryan Gravenberch, which if they can... That's a big signing, yeah. That's a, that's a big signing because their midfield is not good. And Gravenberch is... For whatever reason, he didn't work out at Bayern, but he's a very young, very talented player. And so if Jurgen Klopp can get something good out of him, that's huge. Um, I think people are underestimating in terms of, a little bit. I don't that's, know. Like, cause that's my I feeling. I think like, also... you you got to consider something, right? Look at the opponents they've played, right? they played Chelsea away, Newcastle away, and Bournemouth at home. They're, they're two tough games out of three, right? To go away to Newcastle, St James Park, we know is very, very difficult to go to. And they playing at Stanford Bridge, although Chelsea's not the Chelsea of old, still going to t- train, um, Stanford Bridge is very, very difficult. So for them to pick up seven points out of nine, it's pretty good. And they've got a, they've got an easy schedule after after Villa, um, so they can pick up a lot of points really early. And and if you look at their last what is it, fifteen games, they're undefeated. Actually, I haven't lost the well- game. I, I think they're the problem they're going to have to face is a Mo Salah might be going to Saudi Arabia. I don't think they'll let him go. I'll well, be it, very... it depends. I, it, if there's the offer that we have seen, <laughs> I think they will. Absolutely. Like he's 31 years old. And they're offering, I think I saw it like 120 million pounds for him. Nah, he'll, he'll stay one more year. Look, I, uh, to, to, I don't to know. Me right now, I Liverpool I, love money. Liverpool have money. You they know how do. those owners are. They do, but it's one of those situations where Klopp will literally go to them. You sell him, I'm walking. I wouldn't be surprised if he says that to them because to lose Mo Salah one day before the window closes, right, or even after the window closes because the Saudi Arabia um, Saudi Their Arabia window is 20 September closes, right? So, they've got 20 more days to pinch players from the Premier League. For me, if they take Mo Salah after the window closes... That is a huge blow to their front line. They can still manage with Adam, don't get me wrong. And, you know, they've, they've got like seven but attackers right now. He's their best player, though. Like, he's still their best player. It's, it's like... He's their it's best like, player. 
It's like us having Kevin De Bruyne, you know, being fit and in and basically his prime from last season, and then Saturday becoming knocking on the last day of the window and saying, "Can we buy Kevin De Bruyne for 150 million?" City would tell him all to I'm get so- stuffed. <laughs> Do you know what all I mean? I'm like- saying, look, I don't want to get into a thing about whether he'll go or not. All I'm saying is there is a real possibility that he can go, and yeah. that can really affect their season. And I think the other thing is, we're, we're assuming their, their defense is just not. I don't yeah, think look, it's good enough. We're assuming. We're assume, I think they still need a center back. That's probably one of their, their other weaknesses. But uh, assuming Salah stays, I think there'll be there's a big chance Liverpool contend with us just as much as Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal, Arsenal. Arsenal are adjusting to um, to to Jacka leaving and trying to fit Havertz in and putting Party at right back. They're, they're doing they're doing some weird stuff. I don't know. We'll see if Arteta goes back to. His roots from last season, but I don't like what he's doing. They haven't looked really, really good uh, so with what it, they're trying. It is like Liverpool, I think, have a defensive issue because they do. They do. I think that one thing that that Virgil Van Dyke was so important for them for so many years was he was so good and so athletic that he cleaned up a lot of their messes. And I think Fabinho was the same way. Now they don't have Fabinho, and now Virgil Van Dyke's lost a step. And he has. He's still yeah. he's still a good player, but he's lost a step. And I think that is a structural issue that they will have to fix because yeah. they are just giving up way too many opportunities already. And that is that is a problem. That reminds me of like when Jurgen Klopp, Klopp sorry, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, <laughs> Jürgen when Jurgen Klopp <laughs> first got to Liverpool, they had this problem before they bought Van Dyke and before they got Allison, and they they were just like they would score a bunch, but they would just let goals in left and right, and so yeah. and before they bought Fabinho, so they're going to like I don't know if who they have bought is going to replace how good Fabinho was in his prime. Yeah, look, I think I think it's all about how quick they adjust if they're going to compete this season. But to start, so like for me, if they could have easily, easily, easily dropped, they could have lost against Chelsea. And they could have lost against Newcastle, but picking up those points nice and early helps them for the rest of the season. Because, like I said, they're they're in an adjustment period. But if it clicks and they adjust accordingly, then I think they'll they'll be very very serious contenders this season. Yeah. And I, then I think as a lot of for are sleeping on them, and then as for Arsenal, like they still have some things they need to work out as well. Like you said, the balance in their midfield is off. They need to figure out how they want to play party how they want to play Rice, how they want to play Odegaard, like in the, the kind of the balance between all of them. Left back, like Zinchenko, it seems like doesn't even play that much anymore. Is he even injured? Like it's... I think, Timber, I think he was injured. I think it was Timber's injured. absence has hurt them a lot. And like Timber, they yeah. just signed. He's a phenomenal player. He's going to be out basically all year. That's going to hurt him. And then also, they're going to need more goals from their striker, which when you have Eddie Nketiah and... Gabriel Jesus, like that's kind of always going to be your problem, right? So yeah. it's, it's going funny. to be it's, like, it's, how many more goals do you get from your surrounding guys? Yeah, it's it's funny. The game against Fulham, they actually probably had their best performance, but that was the game they dropped points out of out of the three games they've played so far. I think the Fulham game was probably their better performance, but you know, it was one of, one of those games. You, they don't take their chances. Fulham does take their chances. But yeah, drawing against a ten men Fulham at home, disaster. Yeah, yeah, 
I I agree with you. But I also think like if we're looking at the top four in general, I really think that two teams that are going to surprise a lot of people and that can, well, actually three teams that can very well make top four are going to be Brighton, Aston Villa, and Spurs. Yeah, they'll be they, in Those it. three have all looked, Brighton looked awful against West Ham. Awful. But in the first two games looked absolutely incredible. And now they got Ansu Fadi on loan. If they can, if he can stay healthy and they can get production out of him, that's a huge signing. And Spurs look great so far. James Madison looks incredible. James uh, Madison looks good. Like, that team can. That team can. We should have bought that. Yeah, that team has a good chance to go top four. And Aston Villa, like I think everyone's seen in the year twenty twenty three, Aston Villa is has technically been in second place. Like if you take all of the points accumulated by every team in twenty twenty three, it's City in first and Villa in second. And they've only gotten better this offseason. They've made some great signings. So. Those yeah. are definitely teams that could potentially keep, you know, the traditional United, Chelsea, even Newcastle. Like, they could keep those teams out of the top four, for sure. Yeah. yeah it's, look, it's early in the season, but definitely going to be an interesting one. Let's let's yes. jump back into transfers, man. So, I think we've got a lot, lot to unwrap on this side of things. And, you know, me, yes. and, you, me and you were talking about this before we before we started the pod. We've been talking much, about it all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, how much have City spent, and you know what, what what are they doing, and how much are their sales, etc. Like we've talked a lot about their, you know, it, has this really been a good window, or has it, have we have we done the right um, transfers over the last over the last month? Let's uh, talk about Nunes first before we get into the yes, kind yes. of more broad philosophical argument. Let's talk about Nunes and Palmer. Um, what do you think of the Nunes signing now that we know what the fee is and that he looks like he's on his way to City for his medical as we speak? Like, what do you think of the signing overall? Overall, I don't think it's... Look, I, I, it's one of those mid-signings, right? It's like, okay, I see the fit, I see the, what he brings, and I see why we, we went after him. It's one of those deals, you know, for £47 million... We're essentially buying a backup, in my in my opinion, right? He's not he's we don't ex- we're not going to expect Nunes to start a lot of games, right? But we do need the minutes in midfield, right? And that's why we we went out and signed both Jeremy Doku and um, Nunes. You know, with Kevin De Bruyne's injury, you know, I, I was looking at the the minutes calculations from last season. I was trying to work out where we're missing minutes, and if you if you apply similar minutes to last season. You, you're missing about 3,000 minutes in midfield, right? So, and that's with Calvin Phillips only getting the same minutes that he got last season, which was about 500 minutes, right? But we're missing that many minutes. For me, this spells the end of Calvin Phillips getting any extra minutes this season. And what I expect is Rodri's, I expect, so I expect we can, we can, we can go into some games playing Kovacic, Nunes, and let's say, Bernardo or Phil Foden, right? We can we can run that midfield if we need to. And that's where I feel like this signing has come from. I don't feel like it's a Kevin De Bruyne replacement. I feel like Bernardo, Phil, Phil Foden will fill that, fill that role. But it's more of a Rodri. We, we can't have Rodri play 5,000 minutes again. So, I, I was looking at the percentage of minutes played last season. Rodri played 
81% of available minutes from the starting 11, which is fucking crazy when you think about it, right? Yeah, when you think about all of the dead rubber, like exactly. all the dead exactly. rubber Champions League matches or the, the Carabao Cup League, matches. He was playing everything. Like, he was basically yeah. playing every game almost, right? So, <laughs> he basically did almost played the entire season, right? So, we can't have that happen again this season. A, he'll probably get burnt out or B, worst case scenario, get an injury. And we and if we know, and I, we, we didn't we didn't talk about Rodri in, in the review in the last 30 minutes, but basically this team to me right now is a Rodri team, right? So, we know, and I think Pep and Chicken, all those guys realize that if Rodri sits out for X amount of time, we're going to suffer, right? The, the, the team won't click. So, both Paqueta's profile and Nunez's profile is a hybrid eight slash six that can fill in for Rodri. Basically, how Gundogan played against Leeds last season, you can put Kovacic or Nunez in that role and they should be okay as long as they've got another midfielder like Bernardo or like, like Kovacic or like Nunez next to each other in a double, they can run the midfield like that. I have no issues with that. So that's for me where I feel like this signing comes in from. It's a backup to Rodri because Callum Phillips is not getting any minutes. That That's what this means to me. <laughs> that's basically, it's from that perspective, I'm happy. I think it's a good signing. He He's not the perfect midfielder, right? He's not he's not the next generational midfielder, but he can do a job in midfield and that's what we need. He needs to, we basically needed someone to come in and do about two to two and a half thousand minutes and he's, he can give us that and we should be confident with him doing that. So, yes, I think the one reason I like this signing is that, like you said, Rodri's the best player on the team right now, and he might be the best player in the world right now, and he needs rest. Like, he he just played way too much last season. This isn't a secret to anyone. Like, obviously, Pep and the staff all know he needs, he cannot play nearly as much as he played last year, and they expected to rely on Calvin Phillips. They clearly couldn't. So, could Kovacic have played that role? Yeah, but clearly, like, Pep doesn't want to play him as a single pivot. If he did, then he might not. they might not have made the signing. And they just need more depth there. Like, that's the one thing, the one position. Anybody on the team could get injured for a month, two months, whatever, and you wouldn't really feel like the team is fucked. You know what I mean? Like, even if Erling Holland got injured for two, three months, God forbid, right? Yeah. Julian Alvarez is great. Or we could run false nine, which we know has been great, right? If Jack Grealish gets injured, like you have Foden who can play on the left. Like, you can do different things. If a defender, like we've seen our defenders are all injured right now. Like, you can make do with just about everyone before yeah. the signing Rodri was the one position where if Rodri gets injured, you're like, damn, that's basically, yeah, really like we're, we're, that's very hurtful. Like that, that's really hard to come back from because then you have to shoehorn in somebody who hasn't played that position before. Like you'd have to start playing uh, center back as a six, or you'd have to play Kovacic next to Bernardo, something along those lines. And just, it's really, really hurtful. So, that's why I like this signing is because now at least we have some more depth there and we have multiple guys 
I think that's what I like about the midfield right now is there's multiple guys who can play multiple positions, right? Like you could have Kovacic play the six. You could have Nunes play the six. You could have either of them play the eight. You could have, like, there's so many combinations and we know that's what Pep loves in terms of like, he loves flexibility. And that's what I like about this. And that's what I've noticed this year too, is I've seen, we've seen a lot of Kovacic playing deeper next to Rodri and almost like a double pivot. And that's why Walker plays high and wide, right? Nunes can do the same thing. So like Nunes doesn't have to be like Calvin Phillips was essentially brought in to be Rodri's backup, right? He wasn't brought in to play next to Rodri. I think Nunes is much more than that. Like Nunes can play next to Rodri, no problem and do very similar to what Kovacic can do. Now, I don't think he will be as good as Kovacic has been this quickly, I, I wouldn't do that because Kovacic is like, he played for Real Madrid. He played for Chelsea. He played for Inter. He's 29 years old. Like he's just a, he's a consummate professional and he's just, he's fit in so well. Nunez is a very talented younger player. And I think it's a very like high upside, lower risk type of signing because, because he's just 25, like you're pro his resale value is always going to be fairly high for the next, you know, five years. Right. But he could turn into a hundred million pound player potentially because he's got all the talent. Like he is very talented. He's very good. And you saw it like wolves bought him last year from sporting for 42 million pounds. We just bought him for 47. So Mm. like a year ago, he was going for 42 million pounds. He probably, if City bought him, it would have been 52 last year. You know what I mean? So, from from a value is, perspective, I'm not worried, right? From, like, from a value That's very good value, yeah. especially uh, when, like, the same types of players are going for over 100 million. Yeah. Look, I, look, I don't I don't, he, I don't think he will ever be a 100 million pound player. And, and me and you were, ha- were having this conversation over, over on Twitter where you were saying, like, just pay the 60 million. I'm like, well, I don't think they value him that high. But from a value perspective, look, he's he, like I said, he's, he's a backup player. He's going to do a role. I think he'll do the role better than Calvin Phillips because what he has is he's got the attributes to be press resistant and have good dribbling. And I think that's where kind of City have shifted. I think Calvin Phillips didn't fit that role. He had good passing ability, good he had good other qualities, getting winning the ball back. But we don't really need that quality that much. We we more need you, you to be press resistant, and and you can see when Phillips plays, he doesn't he doesn't have that quality. So I think that's where we kind of failed with Calvin Phillips. For me right now, the main question, I think, you know, especially with Cole Palmer going out, which I think overall is a good deal for us, but I don't think it's a, like, you know, we were discussing this morning. I don't think it was a good deal for, for him. But overall, Nunes, I'm happy with the Nunes signing where, where it is and what it does to the team. But do you think we need one more player with Cole Palmer going out? Yes, I think so. But I, I just, always I, like- I, I disagree. I, <laughs> I kind of like the depth though. Like I, I, I don't know. I sort of default to more depth, but I don't think it's like necessary. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would be very good to have one more guy, but if city, like I expect city not to sign somebody new because like now you have, I, I mean, now Phil Foden and Bernardo can play on the right wing along with Doku who we've signed there. Right. And also 
we've seen it the last couple games where like Walker plays high and wide to the right. So then our right wing is more of like a, a midfielder, right? It's almost like we don't have a right winger at, at some yeah. point, right? And now we have sufficient numbers in the midfield. Like in those eight roles, you have Alvarez, you have Bernardo Foden, De Bruyne when he comes back, um, Kovacic, and Nunez can play as an eight too. So like I don't think I don't think we're gonna see Nunez as like only Rodri's backup as well. I think he'll get yeah, I agree. Some I agree. significant he, 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 minutes. You, you'll see you'll see combinations of Nunez and Rodri, for example. Yeah, right? yeah, and he's he's a very different player. Like he's got a shit ton of pace. He's really powerful. Like yeah. he's he's a big dude. He's like six feet tall, and he's strong. Like when you watch him, he's like strong. He'll just like throw people aside running through the midfield. That's why I said I, when I texted you a couple of days ago and said he kind of reminds me of Yaya Toure. Like that's. <laughs> What that like? He doesn't have like the the crazy world class goals that Yaya Touré does, but like the way he dribbles through midfield and it looks like people just bounce off of him. That's what we, he has. It's like hey it's man, like pace and power. Hey man, we, we've already got the Yaya Touré replacement. It's fucking Rodri. <laughs> yeah, I mean oh, they're different. They're very different. But yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love I'm just it. Kidding. I like. I just I love the Nunes signing. I think Nunes can be that good. I think he is that good. Um, I I personally don't say I, I think I think he's like I said I think he's just going to be the the backup player I, I don't think he'll ever but hit, also hit there's highs, nothing wrong with that yeah there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that 100%. like Nathan Ake <laughs> was signed for that and he started and so was Manuel Akanji and they started Champions exactly. League final exactly exactly so, so look for me for me it's like if he if he hits those highs fantastic if he doesn't he just does a role and you know fills in a role and we win games when he when he fills in for Rodri or fills in for Kovacic. I'm happy with that. I'm, it's it's fine, right? But go, going to to the rest of the squad, so with Cole Palmer going out, right, if you look at who's still left in the squad, so right now we've got 24 players, including James McAtee and Peroni and Bob. I think Peroni's gone though, right? So Peroni's gone to- Yeah, he's already gone on loan. McAtee, on loan. we don't know. Um, so we've got- tw- we've would- got. We've got 23 players, including McAtee and Bob right now. I would like, just like, if it were me, right? I don't think City's going to do this. I would just like one more winger for depth purposes. Just like somebody that's either, that's like a a low risk type of high upside sign. Like, don't need to bring in a world-class winger, right? But like, either someone who is more experienced that you can get for a pretty good price or somebody, you know, kind of like Joao Felix, where if you can get him for a good price, he's like, he can be a hundred million pound player, but you're not like, but you, it's something where like you would have to take low risk on him, right? Like you're not going to put him on high wages. You're not going to pay a big fee for him, which that might not even happen with Joao Felix. So that's a different story, but it's like if you can get that type of player or even like Ansu Fadi, that's obviously not happening now, but like somebody <laughs> like that where it's like they're very talented and they've shown it in the past. And if you can bring that out of them, but you take very little risk on them or just somebody who's more established that can come in immediately and contribute. My, uh, my, feel, my feeling But I don't is, think either of those are going to happen. Yeah, my, my feeling is... They'll make a decision next season on whether they need a winger 
like a world-class winger or a world-class midfielder. And they do that based on how Phil Foden adjusts to midfield this season. If Phil Foden proves himself to be the the maestro number 10 slash KDB replacement, then they'll go, okay, well, we've moved Phil Foden permanently now to midfield and basically we need a world-class winger to compete with Grealish and Doku on both sides. So they'll go out and buy, and buy a winger. If Foden, for whatever reason, doesn't do well in the midfield role and Kevin De Bruyne comes back and takes the role straight away and basically Foden's back onto the bench or needs to play on the wing to get minutes, then they'll buy a midfielder. It's kind of one of those things where they could do potentially both or do one or the other. So I feel like this season will tell us a lot in which direction we'll go. Um, but from from a minutes perspective, I feel like between if McAtee and Bob stay, which which I think one of them will. Um, yeah, Bob Bob won't get loaned out. He'll stay yeah, so, to at yeah. least see if he can step up a level, the right? Coaches. Yeah, yeah, and I think Bob will get the same amount of minutes that Palmer got last season. Palmer didn't get that many minutes last season. I think he only got yeah, like, like Carabao Cup type of minutes, right? Yeah, he got like eight hundred. Like, he got he got about eight hundred minutes, I'd say. So for me, yeah, like. Care about cup games or if we're battering a team five nil, like stuff like that. Is yeah. No come on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for me overall, I'm happy with where the team is at with Nunez and Doku. I feel like we've filled the needs that we were worried about over the last two, three weeks. Where it's like we need a winger, we need a midfielder. Um, I feel like those two those two players will come in, do the job that we need them to do over over the course of the season. And look, Doku's potential is really, really high. So we potentially got a world-class winger in the making there, so I'm not too worried about that position either. Like you said, you'd, if there was one more position, you said, is the winger just to, someone to compete with Grealish this season? I feel like Grealish has a... He's got basically... He doesn't have any competition for his role right now. Like, I know kind Doku of can, Foden, but not really. Yeah, like Doku can play from the left, um, but yeah, right now we need Foden in midfield, so... He's not going to take Grealish's minutes, so we need. We eventually need someone to come in and 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 pressure Grealish into to performing. Because um, yeah, like you, you do need that player that can do a bit of both, right? So we'll see. It's it, it, it's an interesting thing, but overall, I'm happy with where we're at now. Much happier where we're at than where we were two so, three weeks ago. So I guess this goes into how if if City's business is done after Nunes, which it seems like it is, like barring. Barring anything really surprising, City's business is done. So, say City's business is done after Nunez. How would you rate this window overall? Um. So, in terms of incomings, we're done. I think I feel like there's still a bit more outgoings. There's still like Taylor, Taylor Howard, Bellis. There's still McAtee decision if he's going to be loaned out or. Sold. Yeah, but I mean, people like the the actual yeah. first team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so overall, I'd say a B, and and the only reason why. I'd not give it an A, for example, is I've, it's, it's, it's a hard one to judge from a scoring perspective if, if you inverted brackets. If you say, like, what's the, how well did we do? I feel like we were just very surprised with how things went. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you talk to me in May or April, you know, it was like clear what we needed. Get Kovacic in, get Bellingham in, and get a winger in, right? That that was the plan. Oh, and Gavardiol. And get Gavardiol in. Yeah, right? So, it was like, get these four targets in and just go ahead and do it. I feel like we went into the seat, went into the window and we, we were expecting A, Bernardo to go, 
all gone to him to go. And then it, there was just so many un like, and then Mares went to Saudi. Th- these things we weren't expecting. So from from all those unexpected things to happen and still come out the other side, okay. Like getting Doku in, I think is a good signing, and getting in Nunes in to 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 be you know an extra midfielder is overall okay. And then keeping Bernardo is very very underrated move, right? So. A lot of us expected Bernardo to go and filling in Bernardo's shoes, I think would probably be harder or just as hard as replacing Gundogan in this thing, just based on how he played last season and how many positions he can play. So it's a very hard window to judge. It honestly is. Like I've seen people go, this is a terrible window. And I've seen people say, no, it's a great window. And I've seen people say, you know, it's it's been all over the place, lack strategy. But how do you judge a window like this? It's so hard to judge because- we had so many unknown variables that came into the window. So I, would I, don't, know probably, you, I don't know how you judge it. Uh, maybe you judge it much I, more clearly than I do, but I, I don't have a nice bearing on it, if that makes sense. I'd it's put it judge. at like probably a B plus or A minus, honestly. Like, yeah. or if you want to rate it out of 10, like an 8 out of 10 ish, 9 out of 10. Because. If you think about, like, given all of these circumstances, the window has been so weird and so unpredictable that City is a planning club, right? But there are some things that you just cannot plan for. You you just can't. And given all of the things that have happened this summer, if you just look on paper at the squad we have and the squad we've signed based on the outgoings – it's, I think it's been a very good window. I think that there's only so much planning City could have done for Gundogan leaving and for um, and for Morris leaving. I mean, they, they planned Laporte to leave, right? I think they knew that. And they knew that they were going to bring in Vardiol. That, that was part of the plan. And that's a big upgrade, by the way. Like, Vardiol... I know our defense was our strength last year, so everybody doesn't think that's a big signing, but it's a huge signing. Like he is a generational player. Yeah, and I agree so, with that. Um, that is a huge signing, even though our defense really didn't have much problems last year. Still a huge signing. Um, but other than that, like Mar is going, City got a great fee for him. Like 30 million for a 32-year-old. I think I said it on like the only People 32 or older that have gotten bigger fees have been Cristiano Ronaldo and Robert Lewandowski. So great. They got a good fee for Mares, somebody who wasn't really happy because he wasn't playing as much. And they signed a young, like they got significantly younger with Doku. That's one thing we knew is they had to get younger. And Mm -hmm. so there's a good one. Gundogan leaving. I think they really like, they should have planned for it a little better, but also like they went for Jude Bellingham. They were going to sign Kovacic regardless. And then they went for Declan Rice. So like they were still playing, like they still had a plan for if he were to leave. Right. It was just, they didn't expect him to. So, and honestly too, if you just want to trouble, it's not easy to replace those players. Like that's, (laughs) that's the other thing is like, yeah, when people say, like, oh, well, the squad is weaker now than it was a year ago. Well, yeah, a year ago, we won the treble. Like, there's there's very little players. Like, 
How many players would you rather have than Ilkay Gundogan? Very, very little. Yeah. And that's just that's just the reality of it. And so for what we've gotten, like and in in terms of like just terrible luck and unexpected things, like the Paketa thing, like that deal was agreed. Like that would have been our signing and not Mateus Nunes. Correct, and yeah. he's a phenomenal player. So that, and so is I think Nunes is very good too, but like Paquita is like can be a world class player as well. Uh, he's more I don't know ready, I guess he's a different type. But anyways, the point is, is that like City they missed on Bellingham, they missed on Rice, they missed on on Paquita for outside reasons. Okay, and then they go for they got Mateus Nunes like. Mateus Nunes is the fourth option or fifth option or whatever. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. And for and especially not just that, but then there's the financial side of things. Is that City's net spend is they basically spent about fifty to sixty million pounds this window, and there's probably more outgoing, so that might even go down. That's really good for like the players you've brought in and the it's, players who have left. Yeah. Yeah, our net spend is about thirty million this season. And and yeah, and Mateus Nunes also like for forty seven million pounds, I to me that's a steal. Even if you consider him a backup or anything, like for young midfielders in the Premier League, they don't go for that. Like that are that are good enough to be for at City's level, they don't go for that. They're like I- we've seen it with Caicedo, we've seen it with Rice, we've seen it with um, with Enzo Fernandez, like Mateus Nunes is just as much experience as those guys. He he might not have been as good last year in the league, but he also played for Wolves, so that's a different yeah. thing. I, I don't think his potential. Is, I don't think his potential is that high, but I think something that people. But he went for less than half. Yeah. Like that's huge. That's great yeah. business. And to sell, and we didn't really talk about like we sold Cole Palmer for almost the same price. Cole Palmer's played started three Premier League games. Yeah, I, I think something people forget as well. Like you, you made a point about you know how do you replace a trouble winning team? But if I if I go into this season and we're playing Real Madrid in the semi final at the Etihad tomorrow, right? Considering we had no injuries, you're basically starting almost the same team I'd say as last season. You might add Gavardi all in and take one of the one of the players from last season out. And then the only other player that might be in is Kovacic for Gundogan. But overall, the team's basically the same. So from a quality perspective of the top echelon, it's not changing much. Right? We're not we're not we haven't reinvented our team, if that makes sense. Yeah. But we've we've brought in, like you said, smart, good buyers like Jeremy Doku, like Nunez, like Gavardi, you know. Rico Lewis will make a step up this season. You know, we've got players that are going to step up. Even Phil Foden will step up more this season that will either take over those roles, Alvarez as well, that will either take over these roles or, you know, put enough pressure on those players in those positions to make sure they stay performing at that level. And if you look at it from a squad building perspective right now, we don't have any risks in terms of, contracts running out. I think the only literally right now, if 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 Kyle Walker signs a new two year deal, which we expect him to, he's at thirty three years old, we only have three players above thirty 
right? Scott Carson. And Ederson just turned 30. And Ederson just turned 30, right? So Scott Carson, Kyle Walker, Kevin De Bruyne, right? That's pretty good. Yeah, so we've got a very, we've still got a young, this team right now is kind of set for the next three seasons, I'd say, depending if Bernardo goes next season, which I expect him to, all the season after at least. If he stays, fantastic, and he goes on a free in three years, even better. But if he does go next season, fine. That's where the, the planning of bringing either a winger or a midfielder in will come into play. But in reality, over the next two seasons, the main replacement that we're going to need is Kevin De Bruyne. So from a squad building perspective, I'd say we're run fantastically. We're so we're in such a comfortable position, right? You, you look at Kyle Walker, who will be 35 when his new contract expires based on a new two-year deal. He'll go on a free, but you'll bring in another player in, right? That's two years from now. And then you've got Kevin De Bruyne. And Kevin De Bruyne will be 34 at the end of his contract. But he might still be at a high level because he's such a world-class player. You know, you look at players like um, Cruz and Modric, they're, they're playing to like they're 37, 38. Will Kevin De Bruyne be in that same level? Probably. So you, you might be even extending him and you might not even need to replace him. You might need to bring in another world-class player. But from a squad-building perspective, we are in such a good position. Yeah. There's no risk. There's no risks in terms of contract right now. Besides I, those players I, I just talked about. So I think the most impressive thing is that in the last two years, City's net spend is effectively zero. Or it's like it, it's maybe a couple million one way or the other, right? And they've it, revamped the squad. Like yes. there's seven first team players. And that doesn't include Calvin Phillips, who we paid for and he didn't work out. Seven first-team players that have come in in the last two years. Yeah, we can go. We all can, young. We can go through the players, right? So, like, if you look at the last two seasons alone, we've got a negative, so, negative thirty million net spend. So we've we've had more sales and buys. Yeah, right. And we've so last summer, so we, Alvarez. Sorry. Well, yeah. Alvarez, let's start yeah. with last summer. So we had Alvarez, Holland. Um, who else did we bring in last summer? Akanji. And was that it? Last, I mean, Phillips, obviously, but he he's not getting any time, so I, I'm not going to count him in terms of, like, first-team players. So you have that last summer, and then... It's about, it's about 10 players, right? So you've got Gavardio, Doku, Haaland, Nunes, that's four, Phillips, five, Kovacic, six, Akanji, seven. I don't know if you want to count Gomez. That's eight. And you've, no. brought, in, you've brought in Alvarez at nine. Right, so yeah, I don't really count Gomez or Phil. I'm talking about guys who actually play. Yeah, right? so it's about seven. And I seven know or Phillips eight players. is supposed to be that guy, but he's not. It's, a, yeah. so. it's about it's about seven or eight players, you know, brought in in the last two seasons to play significant minutes in the team, while letting go of players like Laporte, Torres, Sterling, Jesus, Zinchenko. You know, we've let we've let go of some big players over the last two years as well, and. From that perspective, I think we've done really, really well in cleaning out basically players almost at the end of their time at City where they've hit the, either the age or their contract or they, their performance-wise and then brought in better players. So, like, you know, swapping out Sterling, Jesus for Alvarez and Haaland, for example, is just massive. Swapping out Mares for Doku, while you lose Mares' experience, Mahrez was 32, 33 years old. There was times that there was times last season where we thought Mahrez was done. Where we're like, okay, he's lost his he's lost his legs, he's lost his ability. It's TBD it up. on if Doku will be better than Mahrez, but he definitely can be. He can I mean, be, but the, but the 
Yeah, but the point is that that decision with Mares was going to come at a head eventually. The fact that we got money for him and and then were able to, was able to replace him straight away, it's always a good thing, right? And if it, if Doku doesn't work out in the next two years, they'll go and buy another winger, right? Because they they're in a position where they can afford to bed him in over the next two years, right? And if, like I said, if it doesn't work out, then you go buy a similar profile to Mahrez. Obviously, it'll cost more, et cetera, but you can go out and do that move, whether it be like Liao, Cavaradona, whoever it may need to be, but they, they have that option to do that. Doku, for me, is like a... It's a, it's a no-risk move in a, in, a, in a way. You know, if he doesn't work out, you can you can move him on to another club. He's still got a lot of talent, but he's still very young as well. So, from a squad-building perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy with what we did. Like I said, this window is hard to judge, and the reason why I make it a B or B plus is or B minus or whatever in that B range is just because of how many unexpected things happened, and the thing that we didn't, I feel like, do right this window is bringing that next world class midfielder, right? And I feel like that puts a lot of pressure on next season. Uh, on but I think season next season will also be a little more prepared to like. I think we'll li- try to line that up. Fairly early, which we which we tried this summer, but then next which summer didn't work, right? Didn't work. Yeah, they'll, they'll next do, summer, do like, the same thing. It, yeah, next summer could happen where like Florian Verts has a release clause, so I think we're gonna know probably before the window even opens if he's gonna come to City or if he's not. Right? Does he, does he then, have a release clause? I, I, I didn't think. He did. I'm pretty sure he has one that kicks in next season. Okay, interesting. I think. If that's but the case, I, then I, it makes things a lot easier, right? Because you yeah. just need the play. Don't quote need- me on it, but yeah. I know that I think he will be the type of player. It'll be kind of like Jude Bellingham where I think he'll go somewhere next year and you just don't know where he's going to go. But I think yeah. the decision will be made early. But if not, like maybe Eze, City go back for Eze. Maybe, maybe. City go back for Paqueta if he doesn't get in any trouble from this investigation. <laughs> You just don't yeah, no. know, right? I I, so, I I think City will need an attacking midfielder next season. That's where they're. You're, you're basically unless you're, unless Bernardo decides not to go, which is very possible. Like that release clause is fifty million pounds, and it seems like the only place he wants to go is either Benfica or Barcelona. And Barcelona can't even sign Joao Cancelo on loan right now. So are they really going to pay fifty million pounds up front? Probably yeah. not. And yeah. so, it, it, it's very it, possible he stays longer. Yeah. I I wouldn't be, like I said, for, with Bernardo, I wouldn't be surprised if he does go next season and I wouldn't be surprised if he stays for three years and then goes to Benfica on a free, right? It's it's one of those things where you just don't know. And we go, we go into every window for the last three seasons right now where we go, is Bernardo going this season? <laughs> so, we just don't know. And I think, and look, he's one, the type of player that doesn't kick up a stink when he's making those decisions, so I'm I'm okay yeah. with it. We, we've we've and got our we've got our worth out of Bernardo over the last six seven years, yeah. whatever how long it's been. So he's. he's I, I also think. Um, I also think for when we look at the window, um, seeing how good Kovacic is so early, I think that like kind of raises it for me. I probably wouldn't have said like B plus A minus if I haven't seen Kovacic be this good this early. Yeah. He's fit. He's fitting like a glove, right? So he's just slotted right in. He's like we like we knew and we predicted. He's very different to Gundogan, but he gives us something very different and something very like the control and the possession in midfield and the press resistance is absolutely crazy. Um, and, and his through balls, like he's not good in front of goal, 
but like, he's goal. really good at like <laughs> slipping Holland through. Yeah, he is. He is. And and I think what it's done is so I don't know if you've realized, but Rodri's positioning's gone up a little bit further. And when when we're attacking because of Kovacic, Kovacic does is more defensively astute than Gundogan ever was. I think so. It allows Rodri to take a bit more risks, and that's why we hit, that's why he scored already two goals this season. I think in the Premier League last season, he only scored three goals, right? Or, or am I making that up? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean that's. I'm curious now. I'm looking kinda, it up. <laughs> it, it seems more like a double pivot this year. I do think that we'll probably see Kovacic start to play higher, especially now that we have Nunez. Um, I was wrong. In general, that. like. Kovacic is just incredible. Like he's just an incredible player. Yeah, I, I was wrong by the way. Rodri only scored two goals in the Premier League last season, so he's already matched his goal tally from last season in three games. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it wouldn't be surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if Rodri does score a lot more goals this season, and he is the filler for Gundogan. So I think Gundogan scored about ten goals in the Premier League last season, or eight goals. You know, if Rodri makes that up, then you've essentially replaced Gundogan's goals with Rodri. And you've got Kovacic filling out a different type of role. So I'm, it, I'm just not worried about this team ever scoring goals. Like I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not I right at all. I'm not right at all. I don't like subscribe to the oh, this guy scored 15 goals a season. How are we going to replace him? Like it's it's just the team kind of changes. So some exactly, guys might exactly. score more. Some guys might score less. The I goals just, come from somewhere. Yeah, I just don't worry about a Pep Guardiola team scoring goals, especially lot, with Erling Holland and yeah. Julian Alvarez as strikers. A lot of people worry about Mahrez's goals, but the same thing with Mahrez. He's most of his goals came in cup competitions, right? So for me, it's you look at it and go, someone, will, someone will fill, fill in those goals because someone else will be on the pitch, and then you, you naturally transition goals. And with Doku, I think he he could easily match what Mahrez scored last season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been a, an interesting window, but it seems like been. it's coming to a close. Finally. And I think we're done. Yeah, it's I been think, exhausting. I, I think I think we are done. So I think this is that's the the window close essentially for City. Um in terms, I in think terms so of too. in terms in terms of incoming. So if you look at if you look at total incoming, how much we've spent, we've actually spent two hundred and fifteen million pound um from, from incomings alone this season. So for us now I think they'll just do a few more sales. Or, or or loans for some academy players. Oh, they there might be that they might buy that one kid from what is it, Boca think, Juniors, and he'll I come think, in he'll come in February or in December, yeah, January, what, and that's right? fine. But they might buy him this window. Yeah, that's fine, and that's fine. You know, that's that's either a CFG move or a, or a one for the future move. So, um, I'm not too too fast about it. It's like it's like Peroni coming in last January, right? They bought him for what is it, eight million? Pounds. It's like it's like Alvarez. We bought him in the winter time. Yeah, and they put him back on loan. I, I think I think Alvarez. They knew he would fit in straight away, but like I Peroni. think this guy is that good. Like, he's, he's a left back guy right? from Boca Juniors. He's a he's, he's a, a left, left back? back, but he's like he inverts and he's very dynamic. And yeah. from everyone well, I I've seen that like watches. Argentine football is like he's the next guy. Yeah, and look, if he, if he fits in straight away, then to me that means Gomez will either be sold or loaned, right? So we'll see. I'm what surprised he isn't already. I'm surprised Gomez. I'm surprised we haven't heard anything about Gomez. I actually expected him to go to Burnley or something like that, right? Where someone comes in for him, but I, I guess he's a City fan and he 
he's liking what he's where he is right now, whether he gets a few minutes or or no minutes. How many minutes did he get last season? What was it like? Yeah, five hundred minutes he got last season. So yeah, he didn't get much. So it, I mean, I don't know. He he could be one of those guys where you'll just only see him for like Carabao Cup games and Carabao Cup, like dead dead rubber, Champions League stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. But he but did overall- he did play most of the game against United last year. Did he? Uh, the, when we battered them the first time because Kyle Walker got injured. Oh, and yeah, we moved yeah, yeah. Cancelo to the right, and Sergio Gomez came in, provided an assist to Holland. Yeah. Well, hopefully Cancelo is gone as well. <laughs> I can't believe he's still here. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. Wrap it up. Yeah. Fun. Uh, fun times. I'm happy. Yeah. We've got Fulham on the weekend at home. Who also? One thing about Fulham, it looks like they might be losing. Another great player for them, Paulinho, yeah. might be going to Bayern, and they lose loss. him and Mitrovic in a window. That's a huge loss. Yeah, they might be in trouble. That's tough. And like Marco Silva is a very good coach. That's a that's a pretty decent team. But Paulinho was like their engine in midfield. That's a huge. If he he even if he's not, he he'll probably be gone to Bayern by then, and yeah. so. It wouldn't surprise me at all, and that would be a huge boost for City. I agree. So, look, it's going to be... Well, I'm sure we'll talk next week about the window closing and any other surprise moves, um, but I don't expect anything to happen from now. Um, And hopefully we win against Fulham and then go into the international break. You know, perfect. Four out of four. Let's do it. I, I can't wait. I'm glad this window's finally over. It's been <laughs> yeah, this window's been weird, but anyway. <laughs> All right, man. I'll, uh, All right. We'll catch up soon. All right. See you guys. Thanks, guys.